Hi, this is David Mitchell from Lumican Corp, creator of Lumicana Lighting, the best lighting in responsible and dark sky lighting to protect your environment and you. You're listening to WCGO Radio, 1590 and 95.9, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. But yes, the new wellness rage is CBD, marijuana's less fun cousin. They say it has all the benefits of weed without the high. But then what's the point? I only smoke weed to get high. I'm not doing it to make friends with white guys who love reggae. So you might be asking yourself, hey, Lou, where can I get CBD? The answer is everywhere. CBD is popping up all over, infused in just about everything. Coffee, tea, pastries, and candy. CBD-infused lattes, even dog treats. It's now even on fast food menus. A CBD-infused cheeseburger at Carl Jr.'s in Colorado. And possibly even ice cream. Ben & Jerry says it can't wait to add the compound to some of its pints soon. Well, of course Ben & Jerry would add CBD to their ice cream. They've already added everything else. Pretzels, popcorn, potato chips. And you don't want to know the ingredient in Chunky Monkey. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877 877- 7-11-56-11. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Don't be a jerk. Planets are in the And hello, how are you? Welcome to July. It's uh, it's actually a nice day out there mm-hmm. today, so I'm I'm happy about that. Let's uh, let's move forward. Let's grow things. It hasn't uh, rained in a couple days. Um, uh, at least uh, not the entire region. Parts yeah, of the region got yeah, rain. Yeah, some people got rain. Nobody but, got but, but everybody seems to get a little bit each day. It's weird. Uh, but today we're happy to have the queen of all horticultural media back. On the program, and that is the lovely, the talented, the effervescent Melinda Myers. Uh, is she with us there on the phone? Have you got her there, Andrew? Melinda, good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm going to hang up now. That's, uh, in, in <laughs> that's it. Live up well, to, that's all, so. folks. <laughs> it doesn't get any better after that, I'm telling you. It'll, it doesn't, exactly. It'll, it'll all go downhill. And what I think we might try to do is when we go to our break, which we do in uh, just a few minutes, uh, we might even try the Skype machine and see if uh, if you're available on that. My my 
you know, and I'm not going to make a big deal of it. Here's what I'm going to tell you, folks. If 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 something bad happens on Facebook, uh, something bad well, happens Facebook on Facebook is if something bad happens on Facebook, you just go to the live stream. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I see I don't have a photo, I don't have a picture there. It's it, not up right now. It froze, so I don't care. That's good. <laughs> it's in fact, it makes people happier. I'm sure not to have to look at me. Um, but uh, you can always go to MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net, and uh, and just catch the live stream there. Those of you in the Chicago area, just listen on 1590 or 95.9. Um, old school. I'm in. I'm getting more and more into old school, uh, Melinda. I, uh, I, I'm throwing my hands in the air and saying, uh, whatever. Uh, well, I'm, with, I'm. You know, technology is not always my friend, so I'm with you on that it's one. It's not anybody's friend anymore, is what I'm thinking. <laughs> I, 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 I was listening. I'm listening on the way in I, uh, about how technology. Basically, if you own music, you don't own music. It's they can withdraw at any time. Uh, Amazon, if you have a Kindle, they can take the book back anytime. They might reimburse oh. you for. You, they might reimburse you for. But if you've made notes or something on your Kindle. They, you lose those. Mm-hmm. A car, you can't even get it repaired unless there's oh. there's certain uh, uh, digital things that are done. You know the uh, the software that comes with the car. You don't own that, and if you don't have that, you're not getting it fixed. So we don't even own things anymore. So one thing you can own is a shovel, and <laughs> and a plant you put in your backyard, and and a mound of compost. I own that, <laughs> right, Melinda? It brings you great joy. It does. It does. Oh, and it's simple. It, it, it It's simple, and it, it really helps your mind and your body and your spirit. And you're right. They, they'd have to come and dig up the plant. That's way too much work. <laughs> they, they'll, they'll have to come and dig up me, all right, if they want. Yeah. That's a, I, I can sense a, a future column out of this conversation. Uh, there, there is something coming out of there. Uh but before we before we break, Melinda, you got like a minute. Give me uh, your quick background because you're a, a fancy gal and you do a lot of fancy things. What's up? You 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 do uh, media, uh, radio, TV, print. You've written how many books now? About twenty. So <laughs> okay, I'm starting. Yeah, well, I got that's... one. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't written any, so there you go. Uh, well, <laughs> hey, it's highly overrated. Trust me. <laughs> And the uh, uh, and the series of of gardening, right? Right, Melinda's Garden Moments, which we have the video and audio on my website. So if you miss it live, and then also great courses, how to grow anything, four uh, different DVDs. And uh, all right, that's all we got right now. We'll be right back. Okay. Melinda Myers is next on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy. This is Mike Novak. If you're a sustainable business and you're not part of the McHenry County College Green Living Expo, my question is, what? It's McHenry County's largest annual green living event, but it's one of the best green events in the area. These folks get it. The energy is palpable. They're ready to change the world now with your help as a vendor or sponsor. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed away down the highway? Zero to 60 in under three seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2019 Tesla Model X, the award-winning all-electric SUV. But you need to get your tickets soon because only 2,500 will be sold. So how do you win? Go to store.illinoisolar.org. 
That's store.illinoisolar.org. Buy one raffle ticket for $100 or the four-pack for $300. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. The winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 5, 2019. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible to win, and you don't even need to be present at the drawing to claim your prize. So get your tickets, the rules, and all the other small print details at IllinoisSolar.org today. My baby's name is Pusha From Poland she did come To work out on Jones Island Amid the sludge and scum She wears a bright babushka And patent overshoes She's a real hot mama for sure That's why she keeps me wailing Those old mill organite blues Don't be a jerk Okay. Oh, <laughs> just cut that right off. Whoops. Uh, you can't play them both at the same time. But I you just, told him. I just learned that. All right. There you go. That, that's my new toy, Melinda Myers. Uh, by the way, folks, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And Melinda, my new uh, my new drop-in is something we started playing last week. Don't be a jerk. Okay. And that's how that goes. And uh, uh, I, I get to throw that in whenever somebody's being a jerk. All right. And even if it is we my... We all need those, I, I think. I know. We, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we all need sound effects on demand. Uh, that's one of the great... <laughs> One of the great things about being a radio guy, and you know that because you could, you probably did that a little bit on your show too, or, or or did you? Did you ever do sound effects? You know, I was lucky. I had someone else doing the hard part, which is running the board, so I had no control. I just got to answer the questions, and so when somebody was being rude or obnoxious, they just turned down their sound. So. <laughs> Turn off the mic. All right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, and uh, that is Melinda Myers. Uh, you can go to Melinda Myers, M-Y-E-R-S dot com for all kinds of great gardening advice. Uh, you're going to learn a lot from her, and that's why she's on the show on a regular basis because – I got questions. Peggy's got questions. Our listeners have questions. 877-711-5611 is how you get them into us. Or you write to us on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram, and we'll answer them to the best of our ability. And here's where I want to start, Melinda. I know you want to talk native plants because you've got an event coming up. And we're going to plug it. Don't worry. I, uh, okay. We'll make uh, Diana happy. Uh, by plugging, <laughs> we, we need to because she keeps me together. So. I know Diana is your your peep, and uh, if and if we don't make the peeps happy, nobody's happy. Um, exactly. <laughs> and we will get to that because we love talking native plants uh, on the show, uh, and I do it as often as possible. However, uh, we have lurched into summer uh, here in the mid. <laughs> is that what happened? <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> And I didn't have my seatbelt on, and that's the problem, okay? I wasn't, oh, dear. I wasn't prepared. Oh, dear. I wasn't prepared for summer. And uh, we I didn't realize this until last week. Peggy and I were on a program here uh, at our home station, uh, WCGO in Chicago. It's called uh, Mighty House Home Improvement Radio. And they, they're not gardeners. They don't talk about gardening. They talk about some sustainability, but it has to do with home improvement. So we got to talking about gardening, and a couple of folks on the show were panicking 
because they said, oh my goodness, it's summer, but it's been so cold and so rainy. Have we missed the boat? Can we not, you know, is it too late now to garden? We, we, we're afraid we can't put anything in the ground and, and nothing's going to grow. And that's it. We missed the the summer, you know, and this was, this was the end of June. Um, and uh, Peggy and I were trying to say, no, 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 no. It's really okay. You can really, you can get a lot done. Yeah, it was a slow start. Uh, tomatoes, my tomatoes are starting to catch up right now. Although I'll, we'll talk about that in mm-hmm. a second. Uh, I want to get your impression of this, uh, Melinda, mainly because you live in a place that where summer comes late anyway, and that's Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So you deal with this. You deal with this on an annual basis. People in Chicago are dealing, and probably other parts of the Midwest uh, haven't had this sort of thing happen in a while, and they're all kind of freaking out. What do you have to say to them? You know, I've I've run into the same concern even here. You know, people who did plant found a dry day and got plants in the ground mm-hmm. early June, their tomatoes, or late May, Memorial Day weekend. Those plants just sat there, too cold, too yeah. cool. And those of us that planted late, I'm one of them, you know, like yours, uh, my plants are catching up and surpassing those because the soil was a little warmer. I used row covers just to protect them, and especially from those chilly nights. And the other thing is there's still time to put cucumbers and beans and greens and all Mm -hmm. kinds of things in the garden. You know, just check the tag, the plant tag, or check the seed packet. Count the number of days from planting to harvest. Guess on when we're going to get our first spring frost. You know, it's always a guess. And then see if you have time to plant. Um, it, It has been a crazy year. And shopping at a lot of garden centers, they still especially quality garden centers have nice looking annuals that they've taken good care of that are good size that you can put in your garden and look like you've been growing them for a month. I'm planted a few this morning doing just that. I picked up a few nice looking specimens to fill in some voids and I'm like, these look as good as if I had them in the ground since the end of May. Aha. There's, there's, yeah, that's a great trick, you know. And wait, wait till the they're they've grown out at the garden center, and then and they're on sale, and they're on sale. And, <laughs> exactly, and we want to keep our garden centers in business because we want those good plants for next year too. So, you know, it's a great way to supplement. Um, you know, when you do get a late start, you guys are right. Still, plenty of time to plant, mm-hmm. and then if things get cold early in the fall, floating row covers are a really inexpensive, easy way to extend the season. They're fabrics that let air, light, and water through, trap the heat so you can cover your plants, and leave them covered. So, you know, we usually get a couple of frosts early, then we get a couple weeks of warm weather. So you could throw that over. You don't have to take it off every day, put it back on at night. I'm kind of lazy. Just, (laughs) you know, lift it when you need to harvest. You don't need to construct anything. It's easy and it's reusable until it rips and tears. All right. Let's, let's, we've talked, we've talked about road covers before, but again, let's refresh uh, the, the information for the people who are not familiar with the row cover. And, and, you know, a lot of the people who are worried about their plants right now don't have them. Um, and and where, where where do you get yours? Explain what a row cover is and where do you get yours, and, Melinda? And which type, since there's different yeah. thicknesses. Good point. So they're polypropylene spun fabrics. The lighter weight ones are excellent for summer covering your cabbages and your bush beans to keep uh, cabbage worms off your cabbage, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, because they don't need anything to pollinate. 
beans don't need bees to pollinate, so you can cover your bush beans and keep the Japanese beetles off, which is great, so you don't have to use chemicals. The heavier weight, and usually there's a temperature rating on quality products that says good to 24 degrees, and those heavier ones are excellent for those early and late season when you're looking to protect plants from the cooler temperatures. And I, you know, sometimes can find them in hardware stores and garden centers, I like the bigger square pieces because I tend to do wide row gardening. And so, you know, the four, five, and six foot wide rolls are a little tight as my plants begin to grow. So I often buy them as grass fast or harvest guard or garden quilts I've seen them sold Mm -hmm. at or frost blankets. Um, I've ordered a lot from Gardener Supply because they come in a wide range. And they even have pop-up systems. So if you want to you know, put in some PVC, flexible pipe or plastic pipe, throw your row cover over so it's easy to get in and out and get to your plants. You can do that. I'm lazy. I throw the fabric on, (laughs) anchor it with pipe or board, whatever I can find, right, in the shed or in the garden. A a big rock. Big rocks. Or earth staples. (laughs) No, see, that's that's too fancy. No, 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 no. Earth staples is like you got to get... Just find a rock, a stick, a brick that's in the yard. That's, it, that's what I would exactly. use. Firewood works, too. Then, Cut up firewood works. Yeah, and <laughs> exactly. Any of those things. Make it easy. And then then stack those up neatly so at the end of the season they're handy when you need to put it back on so you don't have to <laughs> scrounge around the yard, right? Yeah. So, um, so, so yeah, so lots of places they're available. Um, I, You know, you may want to order online. I knew it was going to be a cool spring, so I went and really stocked up because I was worried that as I'm telling people to get the product and, you know, prepare, protect your plants, I thought I better get mine in in my shed before Mm -hmm. everybody buys out the garden center. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a great tool, and it's something you should have on hand just because it comes in handy, and you never know when you're going to need it. And uh, you mentioned one of the places, Gardener's Supply, and uh, I guess we can give them uh, Mm -hmm. a little plug. Uh, because it's so easy to go there and it's just gardeners.com gardeners.com you don't know apostrophe or anything gardeners.com and uh, it's a real easy place to pick up a a a lot of stuff for your yard but as you mentioned there are other places as well Um, and it's possible even your local garden center will have some of this probably uh, i don't know uh, in in summer i don't know but certainly Mm -hmm. uh, in the spring and fall you bet. And that's why it's good to have it on hand ahead of time so you have it when you need it, not rushing out to try to find who carries it. And if the, your local garden center doesn't have it, ask them to start carrying it. If enough people ask, then they tend to stock products. You know, they can't afford to have things that nobody's going to buy. So I always say, you know, if there's something you're looking for, get to know your local independent garden center and say, hey, I'd really like, I'm looking for this product, and, you know, if enough people ask, they're more likely to carry it. Yeah, or they can perhaps special order it for you as well. True. Good point. And we're going to get into uh, your local independent garden center uh, and a question regarding that. Did you receive that email I sent you, Melinda? um, I did. About my comments from last week? Okay. Hang on, folks. I made some comments last week that might not have been on the mark, so uh, we're going to get to that. Uh, however, I, I want to stay on veggies for just a second. So, because I'm looking at my tomatoes and they're catching up lots of green. I'm not seeing a lot of flower production, meaning tomato production. I don't know 
about you, Peggy, but I'm seeing... I've seen a lot of flowers, but I'm not seeing a lot of fruit happening with the flowers. See, I'm not seeing a lot of flowers, and I know better than to use high nitrogen, so that's not the issue. Um, It makes me wonder if the cooler, rainier weather has stunted that production as well. What do you think, uh, Melinda? Yeah, tomatoes and peppers are very sensitive to temperatures. Too high of night temperatures, they don't set fruit, and the pollen isn't viable. Too low, they won't flower and fruit as well. So it's waiting for those temperatures to kind of even out. And, you know, the cool, wet weather has delayed some. A lot of times it's where the plant is in maturity or Mm -hmm. your backyard, different than Peggy's backyard, different than mine. And so we may see some, you know, isolated areas, kind of those microclimates impacting our tomatoes. So a lot of it is waiting. Blossom set as a product that you can use if you get tomatoes, but they're not forming fruit. It's a way of artificial pollinating kind of thing. That's a very non-scientific way to explain it. The tomatoes will be smaller. Peppers, it won't work on. Peppers, you know, may drop their flowers if the temperatures are too hot or too cold. And so you just have to wait for the weather to kind of even out and be more of that moderate. There are those tomatoes that southern gardeners grow because they're more heat tolerant. There are those that uh, those of us in the north grow that are more cool weather tolerant. Um, that's the problem with the Pacific Northwest. In the past, is their season is too cool. Their summer so much cooler that cherry tomatoes work well. And there's mm-hmm. a few others that are developed for them with the foggy conditions, the cooler conditions that will work in their area. So going to your extension service and looking what your extension service recommends for tomato varieties in your area is a great way in a normal year, whatever that is, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the rest of the Right. And the rest of the time, we just have to wait for nature and our tomatoes to get in sync. Uh, you're 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 talking about uh, a normal year. All I got to say to you, Melinda, is <laughs> don't, be <a> jerk. <laughs> don't be a jerk. Come on now. Cause there's no such thing as a normal year. Um, but Absolutely right. <laughs> you, you you mentioned something in that conversation that uh, <laughs> the, the, the monologue you just did uh, about um Setting tomato set. It was. Are you talking about a product blossom or blossom set? Blossom set. Or blossom set. What is I, that? Blossom set. Um, blossom set is a chemical, and I don't know the active ingredients. But what it does is it kind of mimics pollination, so that you need flowers. Okay, you need the flowers. So this would work for Peggy, not for you, Mike. And then you spray this if you're not getting fruit in it. In it causes, I guess it'd be like artificial mm-hmm. insemination, I don't know, but it causes fruit to form. It's probably a hormone of sorts. Yeah. The fruit be smaller, um, but you'll get some tomatoes. Um, is this but the, it does not work on peppers. Is this the bonide, the bonide product? I think so. I'm not sure. I know bonide sells something to prevent blossom yeah. end rot, uh, fertilizer a, with calcium. This is called tomato blossom set spray. Okay, that's it. Promotes yeah. flowering, improves have... yield, reduces time to harvest. And Yeah. See, I, I had... So that might... I, uh, I just going to say, I had that's... no idea a product like that existed. Neither did I. Yeah. Yeah. So it's years of an extension, working in extension. <laughs> Let's see. Toma- yeah, really, it, it does. It says tomatoes, beans, cucumbers, eggplants, melon, okra, peppers, strawberries, and grapes. Hmm. Okay. How about that? Yeah. I'll have to go check theirs out. I haven't looked at a, a container of it for a while um, because I usually just wait for the weather. I'm kind of lazy. So I'm like, yeah, 
Mm-hmm. I'll wait till the weather and the tomato are in sync to get my tomatoes. I get that. Uh, um, I actually have yeah. I have a tomato right now uh, uh, that's that is ripening, uh, but it's. It's on a plant which is uh, we talk a lot about on the show from Dr. Harry Clee mm-hmm. at the U- University of Florida called a garden gem. But last year at this time, I had probably a couple of dozen yeah. of those ready yeah. ready to ripen. I've got one right now. I mean, there are a couple of other tomatoes on the plant, um, and this is among among the earliest ripening tomatoes that I know of, um, and it is way behind. Yeah. So it's been. Uh, it's been a struggle. I got to tell you, it's been. It's, I got a feeling that the reports we're going to hear from this summer are that, you know, it wasn't a very good tomato year. You know, and you get the, you get those right, Melinda. Exactly, and all this rain we had is great for leaf spot and, and blight diseases. So, also concerned about those plants. Uh, that are in the ground and what's going to happen as the season progresses. So keeping an eye out for spotted leaves and yep. good sanitation, mm-hmm. hopefully based them properly. And clear out the bottom leaves on your tomato yeah. plants so you have air circulation. I was doing and, that yesterday. And mulch under it so the soil doesn't spray up in um, the rain. Sure, uh, except you don't, want, you don't want to use wood mulch. Anyway, we'll get more into that. Melinda Myers is with us today. We'll be right back. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito Dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to lead healthier lives. A Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings is the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complementary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even keeping your pets healthy. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and healthy cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout the city, as well as suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847 423 
800-242-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. I know folks are wondering, what the heck is that? Uh, Millennials, that's a thing called a typewriter, all right? Just so you know exactly what... Yeah. Um, And that is, folks, a... No, I think that's actually an electric one. Yeah, that's that's not the Corona manual. Yeah, no, because when I started out... IBM Selectric or something. Oh, my gosh. When I started out in the radio news business uh, back at WWJ in Detroit, uh, manual typewriters and just cranking out stories yep. uh, in the newsroom, um, and and I learned to hit those keyboards. And to, now today, Kathleen says, "Why do you hit those keyboards so hard? I I can't figure out how not to do Same that any, yeah. anymore." I think I still have my manual typewriter somewhere. Oh my goodness! But uh, that's Leroy Anderson, the typewriter uh, song, uh, which is just—it's really cool. I I, I happen to. Think about it or run across it the other day. And I said, okay, got to play that on the show. It's low tech. It's retro. It's really, but the guy's playing it. No, no, but it goes back to our whole theme of low tech and retro. And if you look at the uh, the video of it, he's playing it right in cue. I don't know how he <laughs> does it. Like a musical instrument. It's weird. Okay. We're going to get back to uh, Melinda Myers in just a second. First, got a minute for your trees. We'd like to tell you about the Bartlett Tree Experts Diagnostic Services. Bartlett excels in analyzing and identifying plant health care issues. Wherever they are in the country, Bartlett's local arborist representatives receive ongoing training in the latest problems and treatment techniques. They also have the support of the diagnostic facilities at the Bartlett Tree Research Laboratories in North Carolina. Peggy and I have been there, and it is impressive. The plant diagnostic clinic at the research laboratories analyzes more than 20,000 plant and soil samples each year to ensure accurate diagnosis and treatment programs for Bartlett clients. Whether your plant has a common insect infestation, a soil deficiency, or a tree disease completely new to your area, and I'm talking about you, sudden oak death, ah. It can, it can be appropriately identified and addressed. That's why you need to talk to Bartlett Tree Experts, because every tree needs a diagnostic champion. Go to Bartlett.com. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're talking to Melinda Myers. Go to Melinda, M-Y-E-R-S.com to get all kinds of great gardening advice. Um, I, I assume, Melinda, you've been following that whole thing about the shipment of plants uh, and uh, the ones that contain sudden oak death and uh, throughout the Midwest, which is really not a good thing. And, and got any comments on that? Anytime we can buy locally grown is great. That's very difficult to do. Um, You know, again, it's getting to know your local garden center, um, who tends to deal more with local plants and things differently than some of the national chains, which are buying for people across the country. Um, you know, it's it's very scary, all these invasive plants, jumping mm-hmm. worms, 
the diseases that are carried, um, isolating new plants. I, you know, it's it's challenging to say the least. I don't know what 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 are you recommending? I'd like to know what you you're what you're saying. I'm telling. Well, I'm telling. You know what I tell people here because a lot of some of these were transmitted on rhododendrons. I'm saying, hey, mm-hmm. we've we've got clay alkaline soil in the Chicago area. <laughs> what are you doing are buying? You buying a, why are you buying rhododendrons for crying out loud? Um, and I'm also telling and I'm also telling people, do not buy your plants at box stores. I'm sorry, it's going it, to make a lot of people's heads explode when I say that, and I don't care. Because I think uh, you've got to be really careful when you're buying stuff at box stores. And that's where do you think they ended up? Where, where do you think that disease came in? In the box stores. So, um, and I'm not naming names here. I'm just saying in, in general, why don't you go to your independent garden center where they have knowledge and they take care mm-hmm. of their plants and they know where they came from? Um, They're a local business. Uh, and uh, if you want them to survive, you got to shop there. So that's my, you know, that's what the problem is, Melinda. I get on a, a toot here when, when, uh, when things like that come up, uh, which takes us to the thing I said last week, uh, which is uh, about box stores versus independent garden centers and plants that are guaranteed. And I said on the show that uh, I thought the, uh, you know, you're better off with the independent garden center because they'll guarantee it was a box store, uh, not so much. And then I get this email from my buddy Dan Costa at Vern Goer's Greenhouse in Hinsdale, Illinois. Hi, Mike. Last Sunday, you mentioned something about guarantees or warranties on plants. You thought that the box stores would not have them. Actually, they are the ones that do. Stores such as Home Depot can do this as their plants are all sold on consignment. They only pay for plants that pass through the registers. That means any plants that die or are given out as replacements, are not paid for by the store. Just too bad for their supplier. Easy to give replacements when they cost you nothing. The independent garden centers pay for every plant they get. If they die, too bad for us. Making guarantees in that situation is foolish, as each replacement would be a loss for us. People bring back plants that are severely wilted or are two or three weeks after purchase, They never watered them or watered occasionally and lightly. Oh, gosh, I know all about that. Perennials and shrubs might not get planted in the ground before winter and are left sitting out all winter to be killed. Herbicide drift kills and injures plants. Indoor plants are placed far from windows and deteriorate. Customers want us to replace those plants or give refunds, but we do not. These things are caused by the customer and not us, so we are not to blame here. Some independent nurseries give one-year guarantees on nursery stock and are now taking large financial losses over boxwoods, Japanese maples, burning bushes, and others that died from the past winter. If it happens again next year, I wonder if they will remain in business. So that is the situation as it exists. And that's from my buddy Dan Costa. So I'm kind of, you know... My goal here is to get out accurate information. And so when I say something stupid, I I try to uh, cop to it. But I'm kind of wondering if this is what Dan is reporting is the same thing you encounter, Melinda, because you work with a lot of garden centers. I I do think there are a fair number of garden centers that do give a guarantee, especially when they've got new folks trying to get started in the garden 
business, and so they're not familiar trying to give them advice. Um, I remember working with one garden center that they were taking butterfly bushes back, and people were digging them up in April and saying they're dead. And I'm like, they're dead because you dug them up. You need to wait (laughs) until I've had mine come back in July. And I think sometimes we are too quick to give a replacement instead of looking at it as an opportunity. I I mean, I've done all those bad things, testing the limits of plants, but I never take it back when I know it's my fault. You know, oh, it was a busy year, that perennial, I stuck it in the ground, but it didn't get in soon enough. Okay, that one didn't make it. Mm -hmm. Well, that was my fault. I pushed it beyond its limits. And I think we need to help people understand these are living organisms. There are quite a few garden centers closing. Um, across the country, Mm -hmm. a lot of the independent garden centers, and whether it's this or just competition or lack of trying to find people to work for them, um, you know, those are all contributing factors. Um, I think a good quality plant is the best place to start, and, you know, I think that's what you get from a place that has good people taking care of the plant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So that's the key you get when you get the plant. Um, but I do see a fair number of garden centers offering um, guarantees, and I think that's their way of trying to get that step up on the big box store. Yeah, and keep the clients. And so, and yeah, what Melinda is saying... Don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Don't, don't <laughs> dig up your plant that you didn't water. That you and, left in the car right, first for a month. And, right. <laughs> and try to take it back. Okay, that's just being a jerk. Um, however, you might want to inquire about guarantees. I think mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm go, what I'm going to do is continue to investigate this. I'm kind of curious now uh, about this. And, you know, as Dan points out, uh, boxwoods, Japanese maples, burning bushes all took hits over the winter. So my feeling is if I were one of those garden centers, I would say uh, that's an act of nature. I can't, you know, th- right. all of those plants suffered in everybody's yard. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. With Peggy, her burning bushes took a hit. We had a, our arborist on uh, from uh, Bartlett Tree Experts. and Scott. He, Scott, who said, you know, prune it back and wait till next year. Um, or, or replace it. Or Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and, and he said they're probably, you know, it's you might, might, now might be the time for rejuvenation pruning. Uh, well, not now because you would do it early in the spring. But he says, you know, give it a cosmetic cut this mm-hmm. year and then next year do rejuvenation. And you'll probably get it back good as new. Uh, but people don't want to wait that long because even if you do a rejuvenation pruning, it's going to take a couple of years before it looks like it did before. And people are impatient. They don't understand that nature has to do its thing and plants grow sometimes slowly. So, um, And I think that's the lesson we should learn from nature, which I know people don't. I always say the most important tool a gardener can have is patience. You know, everybody gets ready to write down. I'm like, I'm going to tell you the most important tool. And everybody gets their pen out. And I go, patience. And they all go, ugh. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then and, and they say, yeah, but what's the most important tool? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and at that point, you, you just say to them. Don't be a jerk. Okay. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, we've got a, a minute here, yeah. and when we come back, uh, we're going to... And we had a question, too. Uh, a quick question. Can we get this in? Somebody, speaking of big box stores, is it safe to buy mulch at a big box store, or should that be bought elsewhere? Melinda, what I would say is mulch, it doesn't bother me. You know, I say mulch, it doesn't bother me as much. Um, 
Uh, garden tools, it doesn't bother me as much. I, I, I tend to think in terms of plant material, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, uh, independent garden centers, because that's key to them. What about? What do you think about Dumpy, Jumping worms might be the only concern, um, depending on what that mulch source is, and that's a concern, you know, probably not an issue with the bag stuff, but jumping worms are a concern that I have with mulch products and compost. Um, all right, all right, hang on a second. Now, see, now you've opened another Uh-oh. can of worms. Jumping worms. worms. We'll be back with Melinda Myers. <laughs> from Wisconsin to Indiana, from Lake Michigan to St. Charles, see some of the best gardens, ponds, and koi in the area on the Midwest Pond and Koi Society Annual Garden and Pond Tour, July 21st and 22nd and 28th and 29th. Get your maps for the self-guided tour at mpks.org and at local businesses throughout Chicagoland. It's only $15, and tour hours are 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on each day. Get inspiration for your own garden and pond. Go to mpks.org. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. This is Mike Novak, and I just proved that the climate crisis is real. Meteorologist Rick DeMaio gets the goods from Fred Braun from the village of Niles, Illinois. Do you find yourself playing differently before you begin the winter season now? Definitely. We start earlier. We've moved everything up about a month. We used to do that in November, early November. Now we're doing it in October. When city crews are changing their schedules, you know it's real. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, Sundays 9 to 11 on 1590 and 95.9. Farm Forward is helping to change the way our world eats and farms to promote conscientious food choices, reduce farmed animal suffering, and advance sustainable agriculture. We are changing policy, changing farming, and changing the story by working with farmers to build alternatives that put animals, farmers, and communities first. To learn more about Farm Forward's work to end animal suffering and advance sustainable agriculture, visit www.farmforward.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter and find out what you can do to help. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Farm Forward. Nothing says Sunday morning like the Canadian <laughs> brass. And this is actually a lead into something that you will not believe. Three, two, one, go. Yes, Flight of the Bumblebee on a tuba. <laughs> It's kind of like Martin Mull and dueling tubas that he did back in the uh, 70s, right after Deliverance came out. All right, Peggy, are you ready to do your thing there? It's uh, your turn. City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, has metamorphosed into the summer garden. And they're still offering a $15 gift certificate if you enter your own Chicago garden in the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. 
Remember, you have until midnight tonight to go to chicagogardeningawards.com and register your garden. And you'll receive the gift and you'll receive the gift certificate. Boom. Boom. Done. There's complimentary valley parking on weekends, which means today. But it's right on the Western Avenue bus stop, too. 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa. City Grange, united we blossom. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and uh, I understand we're having some more Facebook problems. So again, old school folks, go to my website, MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net. Look at the the list of options there. There's Home, About Us, and Listen Live. That's the one you want to go to. And uh, you can stream us there or just listen on the A&M and sometimes the F&M. Or go on your phone for tune-in. Um, yeah, tune in app and all kinds of different apps that are mm-hmm. out there. We're talking to Melinda Myers. Uh, uh, we'll get to your event in just a second. Jumping worms. Okay. What is a jumping worm, Melinda? And, and why, why should, should, yeah. Yeah. Why should people care? <laughs> why should we care? Jumping worms are also called snake worms or crazy worms, uh, used for fishing and fisher people sometimes throw them out in the woods when they had leftover bait and they eat organic matter at such a rate that it can cause problems. I was just reading some arboretum in Wisconsin. Some of their plants fell over because they changed the soil structure so greatly that the roots could not survive, and so the plants, the arborvitae, tumbled over. Yikes. We're finding them being transported when you share a plant. If somebody has jumping worms and they give you a division, and it comes with the jumping worms. The little cocoons are very tiny, and so it's hard to see. Uh, They can come in mulch. So if um, there's been jumping worms, let's say, in the soil, mulch is stored on that soil, then those wood chips can be infected. Mm -hmm. Um, The jumping worms move, start eating that organic matter. The mulch is then moved into the garden, and then it, it becomes an issue for you. Same with leaf mulch. I love leaf mulch. It's my favorite, and I would buy in leaves. And now I'm a little concerned because I'm not sure where those leaves, if they're being collected in yards that have jumping worms, then the cocoon can come with them. The worms can get to be nine inches and longer, and when you touch them, they kind of wriggle. And and um, the only thing you can do is they're doing a lot of research to try to find ways to manage them. But if you find them, throw them in a clear plastic bag, solarize them, and pitch them in the garbage. Uh, disinfect your tools and shoes when you're moving from an infested garden to another. And prevention is the best bet. I couldn't find anything on bag mulch being an issue. I think it's just one of those things to keep in mind, and it never hurts to ask. Um, you know, depending on that source of mulch and how it was managed, a lot of that mulch comes from out of the area where there are jumping worm problems. Uh, the same with compost, you know, making mm-hmm. sure that it's a product that has been heated. They're doing research quite a bit in Minnesota and Wisconsin, finding that high temperatures will, I think it's like 104 degrees. Obviously, you can't do that to your garden soil with your plants intact, but talking about compost providers, um, making sure that that compost is heat-treated so mm-hmm. that it kills any of the cocoon and the adults. Uh, there are some products. There's a product available um, called Early Bird that's being sold to control jumping worms. There's still some research needed to see does it hurt other beneficial organisms in the soil. So they're doing some testing because there aren't good um, recommendations on the amount needed for control. So there's some experimentation happening, some research going on. So it's one of those things to be aware of. It's just like all of the 
invasive mm-hmm. yeah. problems that we, we come across. Yeah, it's just uh, one more thing, and and folks should know that uh, earthworms in general are not native to uh, most of uh, the, well, certainly large parts of North America, for instance, the the North Woods, uh, since before the Ice Age. They got wiped out by the Ice Age, and then now we've brought them back, and they have caused issues uh, with with the forest floor. They work great for gardens, not so much for forests. Hmm. Um, And uh, if you're a fisherman... um, Fisherwoman, you got to be. Don't just dump them. Don't just dump your worms. You take them back with you, okay? Or 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 dispose of them in some other manner. I don't. I don't even know what that is because I don't fish anymore. But um, uh, be careful about that. All right, let's get to uh, your event coming up because you're talking native plants next week, Saturday, July thirteenth, at Pasquazi Home and Gardens in Lake Bluff, Illinois, incorporating natives into your landscape. Okay, you got four minutes. How do you do that? Okay, a couple things to keep in mind. I think everybody thinks it's an all-or-nothing process, that, okay, if I want to grow natives, that's what my whole yard needs to be. And that can work in some areas and for some gardeners, but not for everybody. So one of the things I always challenge people is take a look around your landscape. You probably have some natives already growing there. So then think about how you can incorporate more. Something dies, you create a new garden, use natives instead. You know, once established, they require less water. They're, they don't require the fertilizer that a lot of our cultivated plants do. The pollinators prefer them. So you're creating a good environment for our beneficial insects and our birds for food to eat in the winter. Then as you get more confident and design it just like you would a garden. I mean, it can be a garden of native plants. That may be the next step. You're going to create a new garden. Use all natives. Look for things that bloom spring, summer, and fall just like you would a perennial garden. It's the same thing. They're perennials. Treat them that way. Keep in mind, some spread vigorously. Others tend to just (laughs) slowly fill in an area. And uh, be prepared and pick those that fit your gardening style. And then if you get advanced or something, then maybe you want to look to nature and maybe turn part or all of your landscape into a more natural garden. That's it. Look, you got it done in like, there you go. like two and a half minutes. Uh, uh, that's All your, right. your whole course on growing natives. <laughs> you don't need to know, but please come. There'll be more detail, and we'll talk specific plants that will work in any size landscape. And and you know, and you mentioned something about invasives. One person's invasives uh, invasive is another person's yay. Uh, I I wanted to fill that space, and uh, uh, I, I look at uh, plants like. Uh, Monarda, people can claim are invasive. I say, no, not at all. I, 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 I have to work to keep mine going. And then there are plants like uh, mayapple, which will just run riot <laughs> in your garden and take over the whole shade area. Uh, so, yeah, you have to sometimes you have to experiment with them, don't you, uh, uh, Melinda? You bet. And, you know, just like you do with a a cultivated plant, read the tag and make sure it fits the growing conditions and your gardening style, like you said. And, you know, I always say with bee balm, it's aromatherapy when you have to thin it out in the spring because (laughs) you have too many seedlings. (laughs) Or you have more seedlings that you can start a new garden then. And that's a great way to take advantage of those plants that spread by seed or, you know what, pull the seedlings and compost them. You're just putting them back in the garden in a different form. So it's not wasting. It's just, you know, 
recycling in a different form. All right. And it's 975 North Shore Drive, Lake Bluff, uh, Illinois, next Saturday. And you're going to be on 11, I believe, at noon and then at 1 o'clock Q&A. So, Melinda, thank you so much. Go to MelindaMyers.com, M-Y-E-R-S. We'll talk to you soon. Captain's Log, Stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Killer asparagus was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work, and so am I. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Raven Gosplach, my favorite holiday dish. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. It seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. Aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener. I prefer my asparagus with a side of patach Mr. Wolf, are you joking? Actually, Captain, I believe he is choking. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good Welcome back to, to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And first hour's going so well, and we've got Melinda on there, and we're talking about all this great stuff and gardening, and I managed to get everything in, including her upcoming speaking engagement at Pesquese Home and Gardens in Lake Bluff, Illinois, next Saturday, July 13th, and then I get the time wrong. Uh-oh. It's at 11 a.m., folks, not noon. So, <laughs> But th- she'll be there at noon, she'll, but she'll have missed the, the talk. That's right. You'll have, Yeah, but you, you'll be there for the Q&A. That starts at noon, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, 11 a.m. Be there at Pesquese, be there or be square. Be there uh, early, get a good seat. 975 North Shore Drive, Lake Bluff, Illinois, 60044, and uh, Great Garden Center. Yeah. and uh, It's right off Waukegan Road. And all the questions you wanted answered today that you didn't get answered, you just grab Melinda afterward and collar her and don't let her talk to anybody else. And (laughs) there you go. Hey, today is the final day that you can enter enter the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. And I got I got the sign here. I I, I I brought the sign. Um, And by the way, speaking of Facebook, (laughs) I'm speaking of Facebook because we had uh, Audrey say her Facebook's fine. So if yours froze. That's the it, sig- that's it, the signal here. Yeah, it could be the Wi-Fi here. It's but the Wi-Fi here. It was because uh, so it seems to be working now. It seems to be working fine, but I'm just telling you, old school. You can mm-hmm. always go listen to the stream. But here's a sign: you win one of these signs if you win an award in the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards, and uh, they're really cool. 
Uh, and we've been working it the last week, and you might have seen the cat video we put with Lagata, the wondrous horticulture cat. <laughs> who, uh, who meowed right on cue. She meowed right. You could hear that? Yes, you could hear that. Good. We weren't sure that people could hear it because she did. She <laughs> meowed right on cue. Uh, she's a star. Got, Lagata, tell us. Uh, I know. Exactly. It's, 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 <laughs> but basically it was, put me down. Um, and... Um, uh, you can go to chicagogardeningawards.org and uh, enter by the end of today. And the the uh, the applications have been coming mm-hmm. in fast and furious in the past few days. You got till the end of today if you've been thinking about it and you went, oh, I forgot I was going to enter my garden. Now, you have to live in the city of Chicago. Uh, and that's just about it. That's about the only criterion that I think is important. Um, and uh, it's free. Uh, and just for entering, you're going to get a $15 gift certificate to City Grange, and your name will be entered, or your garden's mm-hmm. name, entered in a raffle to win a rain barrel, courtesy of Commissioner Kim Du Bouclet at the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. And uh, that's it. That's and really. And, and by the way, you get prizes. those. You get entered into that, and you get this gift certificate. You don't even have to win; you just have to enter. You just have to enter. You just have to enter. That's how that works. And and I'm going to give a shout out to Kathleen, who's put together some really cool graphics this week. If you go to, uh, in fact, go to Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards on Facebook and like it. Go and like share it. it and share it. But like the page, but and then share the videos that Kathleen. Not only the Legata video but she did this uh old time movie video that was cool was really fun mm-hmm. um and just uh delightful stuff and uh so it's been really fun working on this and we just wanted to make sure that people knew this is happening because it's the final day and we've been don't ramping up to this. if you don't get your entry in. that's right and it doesn't if even if you don't live in the city maybe your sister lives in the city your friend lives in the city your office is in the city your church is in the city. Your community group is in the city. It's all types of gardens, not just backyards. Yeah, uh, community gardens, urban farms. I had a somebody talk to me yesterday about a couple of urban farms they wanted mm-hmm. to get entered, and I said, yeah, get it done. Uh, Could be a real cool patio or, or container garden on bus- a balcony. Businesses, too, if you have a business. I know some people uh, are uh, celebrating their parkways. You know, they don't have mm-hmm. a whole lot of space, but they have a beautiful parkway they like to keep uh, take care of. And, yeah, you can enter that. We've given awards to parkways in the past, or sometimes known as hell strips, um, which I didn't even— It's not a Chicago term. No, it's not. I, I had never even heard that term until a couple of years ago. Uh, but— it 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 doesn't even matter what kind of garden you have. Try it out. Try it out on us and see if uh, uh, if it's free. Enter. Yeah. So there you go. You got till the end of today. Uh, anything else here that uh, I'm? You know, I, I you know we're going to talk with the guys. We've got architecture coming up next, mm-hmm. which is something that we don't get to uh, a lot uh, on this uh, program, and so I'm happy. Is it? It's, Really, sixty. So this is this clock off by a minute. I'm, um, it, it could be. Yeah, it's been getting more and more <laughs> off, off every by, single week. I hardly ever look at oh, it. Maybe forty something seconds. Uh, yeah. Okay. He just it said was right on for like two weeks, and then it just sort of. Andrew says sixty, worse. and I'm looking at the clock. I go, not according to the no, clock. No, okay. No, that's so. That's why it's a good well. thing you're giving us cues, dude. Uh, we we need to hear yeah. those. Uh, and, and then we and Rick DeMaio's coming up at the end of the hour. 
talking about a lot of things with the weather, including the smoke that's over Lake Superior right now that we may be seeing. Really? Mm-hmm. And of course, 90 degree temperatures in Anchorage, Alaska. That's crazy. For the first time in recorded history. Um, you know, last week it was heat waves in Europe and now, oh well. Okay, architecture next. Sustainable architecture on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Chicagoland, when you want the best science-based tree care in the area, go to Bartlett Tree Experts. With locations in Barrington, Naperville, downtown Chicago, and Northbrook, Bartlett has 80 tree care professionals ready to do what's right for your tree and you. They also partner with great organizations like the Morton Arboretum. Whether it's your home or your business, a large job or a small one, every tree needs a champion. Call for a free estimate. Go to Bartlett.com. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com and on the Gab Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up for posts in our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for their logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Hi, this is Peggy. McHenry County's largest annual green living event is also one of our area's best green events. The 2019 Green Living Expo, November 2nd at McHenry County College in Crystal Lake, attracts hundreds of attendees. We know, we've been there, and it's impressed us for years. So get your business in front of this crowd as a vendor or a sponsor. And yes, green holiday gift ideas are welcome too. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. Built this city. We built this city on rock. Get the air drums out. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, but the the guys in uh oh, there's that weird thing again. There we go, Andrew. Oh, it's all the mics yeah. open. Okay, fine. Suddenly you're going to sound like you're in, in, in an echo in hall. A, in a tin can. No, it <laughs> sounds like I'm in a tin can. Welcome back. You can give a j- yeah, a little bit. And I'm, I'm waiting for my headset to go. But uh, Oh, yeah, you are very echoing. Yeah, now. it's it's real. And his hair is standing out. On I him. know. It means I'm about to be struck by lightning. Hair? This what is hair? Not a good <laughs> you don't have that problem. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Some of us, uh, we cultivate it up there. We just do whatever we can to, to hang out to it. Hey, welcome back to the show. Uh, keep working on it, Andrew. It's still a little crazy. Oh, that got a little better. There you go. Oh, really? So that's the only way in doing it? Nobody okay. talk, and it'll all, all right, be nobody, good. You guys just yell, okay? Project! Uh, that's it. Project. Sign language! Do your theater thing. Uh, in the studio, we have a couple of architects. That's why we were building the city. But they don't use rock and roll. They use, uh, uh, well, you do sometimes, Tom? Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, Bring uh, the uh, mic a little closer uh, to right, you. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Tom Bassett-Dilly is in the studio with us. Uh, he's with Tom Bassett-Dilly Architects Limited out of Oak Park. Opposite him is, uh, and this is meant uh, f- uh, physically, not <laughs> metaphorically or anything like that. Uh, Nate Kipnis uh, is uh, principal of Kipnis Architecture Plus Planning. In Evanston, Illinois. So you guys are in like those collar cities. And I always tell people that uh, people who live in Oak Park and Evanston 
want to live in Chicago, but they don't really want to have to deal with the bad stuff. So they go to uh, Oak Park in Evanston, and they basically say, we live in Chicago. Um, uh, something yeah. like that. Sister sure. cities. Yeah, We're, exactly. we're still on the L. Yeah. That, that's true. Yeah, you, you get the, you get the benefits of mass transportation as well, mm-hmm. which is yeah. really cool. And what happened here is um, it's it's nice when things come together for the radio show. Uh, I got pitched by a couple of friends of the show uh, about architect both of these guys, but it was they were separate. And I said, "Oh, wait a second! Why don't we just bring them in together at the same time and and talk about the s- sorts of things they do?" And I was a little concerned. I said, "It's." This is a rivalry, and I realized now we found out Nate's saying, nah, we're on panels together all the time. So uh, uh, let's let's go to Nate. Uh, we're going to start with you, Nate, because uh, you just won yourself an award, the 2019 Emerald Award for Individual Leadership from the Illinois Green Alliance. Um, you're also the founder of Next House Alliance. Tell us uh, about uh, Next House, and we'll get back to uh, to that award. What uh, what is and Next House is spelled by the way N E X T H A U S. Yeah. So if you're trying to, so how would you pronounce that? Next House. Next House. Yeah. Okay. So ha- you don't say house. Well, it's house. Okay. Feel Whatever. free. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what that is is uh, our our architectural practice does uh, very sustainable, high performance homes, and anywhere from affordable housing up to some very expensive homes. But we felt like the market had been missing the very, very expensive homes. No one is really helping these people do sustainable homes, and they have such large carbon footprints, and they have the means to do this. So just because you have money doesn't mean you shouldn't be part of this. Okay, so, I, look, stop. I'm going to stop you right there because I would assume – see, as I'm putting this show together, I'm thinking in my own tiny little fevered brain that I got – I don't have any money, and I got a big old house that is energy awful and i would think well the people with money they're they're the ones that are that can afford this and they're getting it done they're doing the energy efficiency and you're telling me that's not necessarily the case not necessarily true so um what we want to do is help them really take it to the next level and part of that is also to think about resilient design so that's the ability of the house to handle natural or man-made disasters so all these crazy things you see on on the news every night Flooding, power outages, super high winds, uh, that's typically what's around here. Um, we want to design houses that can handle all that. Things like redundant systems. Yeah, yeah. And But that's the same Venn diagram that gets me to a sustainable homing in on net zero house. So if, they are, if they're happy doing that, I'm happy doing what I get to do. And it works out great for everyone, including the environment. Yeah, I was kind of interested when I was... Uh looking at next house and 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 you were talking about those the kind of natural disasters that happen and I have to admit I had actually thought about that building a house to withstand that sort of thing there is just nothing more depressing than watching these people with super flooded basements or their <laughs> houses you know mm-hmm. whatever destroyed from whatever reason and to be able to go to bed at night and think that you've got everything set is a great feeling it's real peace of mind it's something that we want to want to do all right, now tell us about your award, uh, the Emerald Award for Individual Leadership, Illinois Green Alliance. And, and I'm going to I'm, – I'm, this is not about you, but I have to say this because I, Peggy and I have talked about this. It's like I want, I want to get back – the Illinois Green Alliance back to committee and say, you guys need to come up with a better name. It's like <laughs> too generic right now. It used to be U.S. 
Green BC. GBC yeah, Chicago, right. yeah. Yeah, and I like that because <laughs> I knew Illinois. I knew what it was. And uh, a lot of uh, organizations now they go to simpler names, and and apparently there's something in the marketing strategy that is supposed to work. It doesn't for me, but eh, that's just my little pet peeve. But I love the work they're doing, and I love the fact that they gave you an award. Yeah, um, thank you. So uh, I think the reason is is that I'm a small firm. Um, I think we're both Tom and I are have small firms, so we have five people. But I also do stuff at a much larger scale, and it's great to do sustainable homes, which, I mean, it really is great to do sustainable homes at whatever level. But for me to be involved with Citizens Greener Evanston here in Evanston, where we are trying to help decarbonize Evanston, I helped with the concept for the offshore wind farm, and there was some legislation that got passed in Illinois regarding that. And then I started serving on the 2030 commitment for the AIA when it was founded in 2009 and then I went on the national board of the national working group and now I'm the national co-chair so having an impact even as a small firm writing policy basically Mm -hmm. that impacts 93,000 architects is like really um, really good for me to do I think and it's it's just good for the environment Mm -hmm. I want to get uh, to the 2030 commitment uh, in in a little bit but uh, let's let's go across the table here to Tom Bassett Dilly and then across town to Oak Mm -hmm. Park and uh, I love your story uh, about growing up in West Lafayette um, and having the huge garden in the stream and then going into uh, uh, the uh, the bookstore there Vons I've been to Vons Vons? oh yeah yeah. Yeah. it's it's a pretty amazing place yeah Um, and just learning about, you know, growing up at a time when it looked like we were going to go that direction. The mm-hmm. whole country was moving. We're going to be sustainable. You put on your cardigan sweater. Uh, Jimmy Carter said, I can, <laughs> I can remember that. And, yeah. and you know, and if, if, if your house isn't warm enough, don't heat it more. Heat yourself more. You know, be smart about it. Solar panels. And then, of course, he puts on, on the White House and Ronald Reagan takes them down. And the rest is history, which mm-hmm. is we went down the wrong road. Basically, we, we screwed it up um, thanks to really bad leadership from the White House. Um, but that didn't deter you because you continued in that vein. Yeah, and uh, more importantly, or equally importantly, the, um, the movement got picked up by Europeans who still had high energy costs and still wanted to do something about energy efficiency. And that's how the Passive House um, standard got started. And so mm-hmm. when it came back to the U.S., a lot of the guys who were here, well, men and women who were here working on that, uh, saw it coming back in. They're like, wait, you're telling us this is like the greatest new thing. We were doing this in the seventies, you know, come on. So, <laughs> so really it is a continuation of, of a tradition. But for me as a kid in school, uh, and coming out of school and seeing really nobody talking about this or caring about it, it was, it was tough. It was, you know, the voice crying out in the wilderness sort of thing, mm-hmm. because, you know, I guess for me, the fundamental idea is that uh, there's a connection to nature, um, which, of course, we could have a whole two-hour conversation about. Well, I'm going to get into that yeah. in a second here because yeah. I'm yeah. going to make you guys put your thinking caps on for yeah. a second. But yeah. go ahead. Yeah. Um, and if you're doing things well, it should be good for all of life, you know. And so we've been doing things in a way that is good maybe at a local level but it's damaging the oceans and it's damaging the air and it's damaging the water and you know that that's just not sustainable because to me sustainability isn't a a gradient it's it's black or white you're either sustainable or you're going to die 
Well, so how are you defining sustainability? That is a uh, kind of definition of working in a way that is uh, what we would call in harmony with nature. So a better way to say it, I guess, maybe is that your your contribution to the ecosystem is literally sustainable. It can go on. It doesn't need external inputs. It doesn't need to raid another country's resources to sustain it. The waste equals food. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these ideas about when you look at an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, we are nature, sure, but we've just we have the power to kind of override that if we want, uh, in, in a way. So, it, well, that's why you're here on this program. This is what we talk about on this show all the time. It starts and actually started 21, 22 years ago with me having a gardening program in how do you plant a petunia? And then suddenly you Mm. realize there's a lot more involved. And if you're paying attention at all, you realize that everything is connected. Mm -hmm. Every physical thing on this planet is connected and you can't just, you can't isolate it. You can't talk about the one thing without talking about the other. And which brings me to the thing I was going to tell you about, because this, the last couple of days have been really weird. I, I I got in touch with a person who's been on the show before. Have you ever heard of Guy McPherson? Yeah. He's, Why? He uh, is a guy. <laughs> struts. Uh, <laughs> he's he's uh, uh, Professor Emeritus, uh, University of Arizona. And he basically says, we're screwed. Yeah. Okay. He's the guy who says, you know what? It doesn't matter what we do right now mm-hmm. because yeah. we're, the species is doomed. And he's talking about... Within a matter of uh, a couple of decades. Yeah, his, All right. That's his right. article, It's Time to Pursue Hospice. Right. Yeah. He says we have to pursue hospice for the planet. That's why I know the name because I saw it on your Facebook feed. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's that's what the bell's for. for. Yeah. Right. Now I know. I'm fully initiated. <laughs> yeah, right. And Tom and Nate, you're welcome to reach over and ding anytime Wait, is this you want. Is this a game so show? Tempting. Do we need it? to earn dings? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You need to buzz in just to even answer a question. Yeah. So I posted this thing. You're not the only one who saw it. I got all these. The, it's, it's still going this morning, by the yeah. way. I know it. And I, it, I was going last night and I said, no, I'm not reading any more of these comments because the Nimrods have come out uh, and just <laughs> yeah. saying, well, you know, there was acid rain 20, 40 years ago. What happened to that? And I said, it's still here. <laughs> all right. We passed some laws uh, that mitigate it and because we actually paid attention to it. Well, what happened to the ozone? It went away because we paid attention to it. Or the ozone the, pole. The hole went away. The hole yeah. in the ozone. Yeah. Because we stopped uh, put releasing chlorofluorocarbons. Flor- yeah, chloro- CFCs, yeah. Yeah. Uh, into, into the atmosphere. But if you look at what Guy McPherson says, we're done. So what's the point of uh, architecture that's sustainable since these buildings, you know, you're building for 50, 100 years from now, uh, and he says we won't be around. How do you address that issue, Nate? I'm going to start with you. Well, I think things are very different than your grandfather's house. And, you know, we know that homes... Uh, buildings, I should say, are, you know, the vast majority of the uh, CO2 and the energy use, you know, about 40%. And so we have the ability to uh, deal with that better than other areas like transportation and industry are the other two big ones. Mm -hmm. And um, so it is possible now to do homes that have essentially net zero and especially in easier climates. I mean, what Tom is doing is amazing uh, when when you can get... uh, net zero here. This is a tricky climate. I saw a photo, though, on your site, I think, Nate, with net positive. So we've done 
one house that was net positive when you did not include the heating system. So that's <laughs> and it's in the, it's in the text. Well, wait, wait no, a don't think that one. No, but no, we do currently yeah. have a design right now that we're working with Next House uh, with Tesla, and we have a house that is net positive at four percent above. Uh, it's four percent positive. So it's actually it's giving give, back. It's, it's giving back. Hmm, so that's, that's amazing. That's you know that's the start. And so with the twenty thirty commitment. What we're trying to do, if I can talk about yes, that now, yes, yes, please do. is, um, you know, we're trying to get all the architects to get on board with this, all the uh, AIA architects, but any architect and actually any contractor, if they're interested, can get on board with this as well. And the goal is to get to net zero by 2030. And so, therefore, right now, we want to be 70% better than a 2003 baseline. In 2020, we go to 80%, 2025, 90%, and then we get to zero. It's going to get harder. In each new design. Yes, and in anything that architects touch. So that's renovation work, too. I mean, right, here so in retro- Chicago. Retrofitting as well. Uh, sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm, product. And, well, there's a, a different uh, group that's working on net zero carbon for materials by 2050. I think all of this actually needs to be sped up a bit. To be quite honest, yeah. but, I, well, if you listen to Guy McPherson, yeah, well, really. I think you know, yeah. and, 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 but, and, and given it, he's on one end of the spectrum, he's way, 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 he's at the very end of that spectrum. Of course, there are people at the other end of the spectrum, which are the people who are writing me and saying those idiotic things about what's the problem? There's no problem. You're, you're making this stuff up. Yeah, you know. Um, do you know Amory Lovins of Rocky Mountain Institute? I had him as a professor in 1982. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you don't, definitely look him up. Uh, Rocky Mountain Institute is a give, real... Give me that name again. Uh, Amory Lovins is his name. Okay. A-M-O-R-Y. Okay. L-O-V-I-N-S. He's he's just brilliant. He he built a net positive house in Snowmass, Colorado in the 1970s yeah, He showed us the plans in 82 in the class. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Yeah, and um, he's been, uh, what do they call himself, a, a think-and-do tank or something like that? Rocky Mountain Institute's amazing. Anyway, he was here in Chicago speaking a couple weeks ago, and somebody asked him a question about that, like, where are we going with this, um, you know, climate change world? And uh, he said, complacency and despair are equally unwarranted. So you can't just ignore it, and we don't know if it's going to work. But we better do our damnedest mm-hmm. or else what are we, you know, what are we, what are we doing? Uh, exactly. That music means we need to break. Yeah. We're going to be back with our conversation in just a second. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Time to kill the vampires and phantoms. No garlic or wooden steaks necessary. In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Energy generation or power plants are one of the largest sources of pollution contributing to climate change. 5 to 20 percent of our home electric bill comes from vampire or phantom energy use. Most of our electronics remain on standby even if they're off. Anything that has a little light on somewhere, like a charger, is still sucking up energy. Cable boxes are among the worst offenders. There are some smart strips that help by allowing you to turn things on and off on a timer... The U.S. Department of Energy offers some tools to help you get to know more about your energy use. I'm Green Diva Meg. Find more useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and, of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. 
This is Mike Novak. Serious and even not so serious gardeners in the Chicago area know that there's a year-round resource that always comes in handy. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region, and it's packed with information about plants indoors and out. Every issue contains insightful articles by gardening pros, fantastic photos, science, and more. With features like what to do in the garden, design tips, and Chicagoland natives, you're going to be ready to grab a trowel and dig. Even I have a column in the inside back page of every issue. It's practically fact-free, and I'm proud of it. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. This is Steve Levin, the Dice Man, from Roll the Dice, Sunday nights at 8 o'clock on Smart Talk. WCGO AM 1590 and 959 FM. We're sailing in a strange boat. Heading for a strange shore. We're sailing in a strange boat. <laughs> Take the photos now while you can. <laughs> while we're all doing weird things. Yeah, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Very pleased. To have in the studio a couple of uh, prominent architects in the Chicago area, Nate Kipnis and Tom Bassett Dilly. Go to my website, MikeNovak.net, N-O-W-A-K.net, and you can read all about them and the work they're doing. And we're talking about that work. Uh, Tom, we're going to get to you in a second, but Nate, there's a couple of things that you wanted to uh, follow up on here. Yeah, so the AIA, National AIA, just... Uh, and AIA is? American Institute of Architects. Okay, um, so they just signed a uh, a resolution at the national convention for urgent and sustain, sustained climate action um, work, and so uh, it was an imperative for climate reduction, and we want to transform the day to day operations and practice of architects. And so this is like a big deal. There right now, the AIA has approximately six percent of their budget assigned to sustainable work. This is an order of magnitude shift. Literally, they want to mm. up that to sixty percent. Wow. This is a gigantic move because of how important this is and how big an impact architects can have. So that's um, going to impact a, the way they do awards, which is one aspect of mm-hmm. this. And then the code is at the other end where we're helping push architects along who aren't necessarily going for awards. And it's just going to be in every kind of uh, thing that they're doing, every aspect of it. So water use, uh, equity, environmental work, et cetera. So really, really a big thing. And um, 2030 commitment is definitely a part of that because we help track what architects are doing. It's all anonymously done. But then we also try and impact the practice of architecture and get them to just get this mindset into their work. So I think it's just an enormous thing. And, uh, and it's good to see that architects are moving in that direction. Uh, you couldn't tell it... Uh... Well, you know, I wonder because uh, I look at the the homes that get built in my neighborhood, uh, and first of all, they're ugly, and it's like almost prefab kind of stuff now that happens in the city. It's like the the lot gets, the building gets raised, and then this thing comes up, and it's all like it's like Bauhaus all over again. It's very odd, and I don't if know only. what. Uh, what? If, if only, what? If only, really. Well, so that I it's, mean, well, no, real explain. Bauhaus. It, it's, right. All right, yeah, yeah I mean, which had some. Uh, 
Charm, not charm. I it, wouldn't say charm. Impact. It, impact. It, 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 it had a concept of, the, of its time. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now you can't do Bauhaus. You can't. And, and have it be relevant as it was then. You know, yeah. But right. I'm sorry. I know what you're saying. You're just these boxy, bland things. Yeah. Boxy, awful looking. Yeah. And I have yeah. to look Aluminum at, siding. So that's why we're vinyl. trying to get the yeah. code moving forward because it's yeah. for those yeah. kind of architects um, that we want to encourage to move forward. And but do they have any incentive do they have any incentive to do that i mean they want to do it on the cheap Not right really but you know it's it it kind of goes back to one of the things i wanted to follow up with the the uh, jimmy carter yeah. thing which was you know put on your your sweater if you want to be comfortable right what's great about a high performance building is it can be zero energy and really comfortable and a healthier environment so so and our, cheap to operate well, yeah, exactly. But mm-hmm. you know, people, when, when they think about uh, dwelling, they aren't saying, how can I make this cheap? They're saying, how can I make this good, right? How can I be healthy and, and thrive? So, you know, for us, the tagline is health, beauty, efficiency. Um, they all go together. And so if you make a really great um, thermal envelope, which is what the kind of passive house methodology and idea is all about, uh, it's tuned to its environment. It, it, it is mindful of the sun. It, it puts you in mm-hmm. harmony with your local environment and context. And it's really super comfortable because you're not leaking energy everywhere. You don't have drafts. You don't, you know, so, so the good news is that uh, you can live better with a smaller footprint. And I think that's a thing that people thought it really was a great sacrifice. Now, it's true that if you make just nothing but glass, you're going to have a hard time uh, making a comfortable space. But. I, I think a lot of this stuff is starting to kick in and, and the cost is starting to drop and, and mm-hmm. yeah. maybe not even so slowly. So solar panels are getting very commoditized right now. They're I, so inexpensive. I was going to ask you about that, but aren't you getting blowback from utilities that are going to make it more expensive to have solar? And, and that's, well, and the, you know, I know certain states, you're paying a premium to put solar and it should be the opposite. You're helping save the planet. Yeah, so. it's yeah. funny because um, in the past they were so into it because there were them being the utility companies because there was barely anyone doing it. And now they're getting flooded with how many people are doing solar panels and it's ruining their little working curve that they have for their baseline power. As and all well that. it should. So, so the batteries, though, which are going to be the next big thing, mm-hmm. that's going to help smooth that curve out for mm-hmm. them. I want to, you know, so what they, you can get solar power during the day, mm-hmm. store it in the batteries, and then spread that use out over the whole day. I'm, are we close to that? You know, the efficiency, battery efficiency that we really need. It seems to me this should have been done 30 years ago. Um, and that I, I don't understand the hang-up uh, in the technology. Well, the, the prices are dropping kind of logarithmically. I mean, they're really falling. And the encouraging thing is I know the head of the uh, Argonne National Labs battery division, mm-hmm. and they sit there and they try and figure out not necessarily the most efficient battery, but the most efficient battery that's not coming from a bad place or doesn't have a bad environmental impact and mm-hmm. all that. Yeah, they have so, their, that whole program out there now. So really... A lot of work going on mm-hmm. in that, and I think you're going to see the results of that but pretty darn soon. That's neat. This is, this is go- and this is yeah. Tom Sorry, uh, Bassett yeah. Dilly. The, the interesting thing, though, is that this starts from a point of like, oh, we have to figure out how to supply as much energy as we need now. But the big uh, invisible resource is energy efficiency and conservation. I mean, you don't have to lose and waste as much energy as you do. So if you can start there, and that's really the... That's really kind of the mind-blowing thing that most people don't get because you can see a solar panel. You can, you can see a geothermal heat pump, and these kind of gadgets and gizmos are really exciting. Mm-hmm. You can't see efficiency. You can't see how smart the design was that makes it so that you're using 90% less energy to heat and cool your house. 
And that's where most of our energy comes from. So, you know, that's, that's where we start is conservation first, and then you put on the renewables. So if you're lowering... And the design part very first. It is a design challenge. It is not an engineering thing that you just throw on whatever building. It's, it's part and parcel with right. the, mm-hmm. it's the organic nature of it. Right. A friend of mine uh, has a... Pa- well, a friend of uh, the, the show, um, uh, Victor Zatarek. Uh, in uh, Oregon, Illinois, has a passive house out there mm-hmm. that I visited a couple of times, and it's it's amazing. It's just, and he's always tweaking. It's continuing, mm-hmm. continue. He had the double pane. He went, you know, I'm going to triple pane now because mm. it's going to save this much more energy. And he's like, yep, let's get this done. And the place is is wonderful, but not everybody can do that. I mean, he did. He built it himself, yeah. and yeah. and I don't I don't think yeah. like that. There's no way I can do that. For those of us in hundred plus year old homes. Yeah, I've got a yeah. hundred and thirty year old home. That's the challenge. That's it's yeah. Challenge. I mean, we're and we're we're retrofitting some some hundred year year old homes to to net zero, and it's a big really. It's a big task. Come to mind, please. Sure, sure. Well, the problem is also it's expensive. Um, of course, but, and but, that's and that's okay. But you have a radio show, so it, that should be fine. Uh no. <laughs> okay, Let's sorry. talk. Do, do, do you know? Oh my goodness! Sorry, yeah. uh, Andrew. How much money it. is in radio? Yeah. Uh, would, would you like to tell these folks here? Uh, but 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 you 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 alluded to something yeah. before, which is the the whole you know the gestalt of it, and mm. it means that the plants and the location and mm-hmm. everything else you have to incorporate that as well, and that's some of the things you've done in your design yeah it um, comes very much out of my being steeped in frank lloyd right from an early age it's organic everything's intertwined it's all part of nature yes right um and because we are uh, a show nominally that talks about plants we talk about a lot of other things though but these are things you need to consider when when doing and and drainage uh is a huge hmm. thing uh do you know mark steel Fleur? uh yeah Okay, so you know Marcus, and he's he's big into that. Yeah, and uh, I keep Permeable, yeah. I want him to come to my house and help me figure out how yeah. to drain the water off the property. There's a whole total kind of uh, system of everything that needs to mm-hmm. be looked at. Like you can't just focus on one aspect of this. We had talked before the show about oh, let's put really good energy efficient windows in. He doesn't really care. Go right around the windows. You have to do the insulation system, the mechanical, the control systems. And really think it through, and that's how you make these big leaps, like Tom's saying, like 90%. That's mm-hmm. an enormous amount. And we're, we're able to do that with heating, cooling, lighting, refrigeration. The thing we're now down to is all the plug loads, all, this, all the mm-hmm. gizmos that yeah. everyone has, right. and that's go, getting worse. So, it is. Yes, because there's more, more, more computers, more, more, more toys. Stuff, more, aren't we smarter game. about it? What about the smart plugs and the things that, you know, phantom Well, that's what... That's what is helping. We're trying to get those going, but uh, in fact, plug loads just, are a big We just problem. had that uh, uh, from the Green Divas. Yeah. She talked about vampire energy here. The, the and cable how, box and being huge. Suck, oh. Sucking the energy As a out. matter of fact, if you have a, a security camera 24-7, like a, a relatively good-sized one, it will use more power than a Tesla Model S in a year. No. Yes. Ooh. How about wow. that? Wow. Yes. Wow. See, I, I had uh, no idea for that. In fact... Um, Better give us a source on that, Nate. Yeah. Uh, I've got it. I'll <laughs> and, get that and speaking you. of Tesla, I'll put that on the website. <laughs> speaking of Tesla, good. speaking of Tesla, right? Yeah. Segway, you've got a thing coming up this Thursday. Oh yes, we do. We have a, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, a Next House Alliance event at the Tesla showroom in Highland Park. Um, and what's the point of combining with Tesla? So, uh, 
you know, it's a good logical concept. Their ecosystem of panels, battery charging, and of course, electric cars is the correct way to move forward. And or bicycles, like I got here on. But yes, um, if you are going to drive, I mean, and that's my uh, argument about the uh, electric scooters when they talk about how they're saving energy. Not as much energy as hopping on a bicycle or a skateboard or a skateboard, right? Um, yeah. And by the way, we you probably heard on the way in, uh, we run uh, spots for the Illinois Solar Energy Association, and yeah. they're doing their Tesla raffle once again this year. Sure, I'd sure like to have one of those. Yeah. But you know what I probably would do? If I wanted, I'd sell it so I could. I need the money. So <laughs> there's, there's no money in radio. Yeah. Uh, so is your event open to the public? It is open to the public. Uh, you can check it out on the Next House Alliance website, nexthousealliance.com, under the events section. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, I give a nice lecture on kind of everything we're talking about and how it makes sense with that. Let's, uh, very so. quickly, because we haven't, didn't get into it, the Austin Gardens Environmental, Environmental Education Center is, uh, is a big deal, uh, and, and you finished yeah. it recently. Tell us about that. Oh, it was a great project with the uh, Park District of Oak Park who came to us saying, we want a building which is exemplifying the good things to do with a building. And so, um, you know, we want solar, we want uh, geothermal, we want um, – water reclamation and uh, we want you know good gardening and and you know plantings around and they achieved it all we were we were very happy to be part of that team we started of course with a very efficient thermal envelope because they didn't ask for passive house because they hadn't heard of it but uh but uh, we got we got we got there and it's a building that people love and that's i think what we you know what, what is really it's a essential here building by the way you're Thanks. i love all of your designs uh you're that's the other thing it's like it's got to be low. And they're pretty. They're well, nice. They're nice. That's, they're nice to look at. It's got to be. High yeah. design, low carbon is our tagline, and sure. you've got a very good one. Yeah. And I should also point out, just real quick, on the 2030, yeah. t- Tom was one of the only firms uh, to actually meet as an entire portfolio for the for the year wow. last year, which is unbelievable Fabulous. in this climate. So let's, it's amazing. Let's, let's let's do kumbaya here. Kumbaya. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Tom Massadilly, Nate Kipnis. <laughs> thank you guys so much for coming into the studio. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. It's terrific. The folks at the Midwest Pond and Koi Society want you to show up in their backyards. Well, you have to sign up, and there's a small fee, but you can see some of the best gardens, ponds, and koi in Chicagoland on July 21st, 22nd, 28th, and 29th on the annual Garden and Pond Tour. It's self-guided, and you can go on any day or on all of them. Tour maps at mpks.org and at garden centers and businesses throughout the region. That's mpks.org. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito Dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Open Lands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connections to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from your childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse their collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. That's tree-stories.org. 
A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Gardening, the environment, and green living. It's the Mike Novak Show. With Peggy Malecki. On WCGO Radio. 1590 AM and 95.9 FM. Of course, we should talk about the weather. No, let's no, not no, let's not talk no. about the let's government. Let, let's, let's just not, let's yeah. just talk about the weather with meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Good morning, Rick. Hey, that's my favorite band, Rapid <laughs> Eye Movement. Uh, there you go. <laughs> right, exactly. Rapid Eye Movement. That's the, the true name of the band. I love that. Uh, people we, used to people used to ask Michael Stipe why they don't put the words to their songs on their album. He uh, goes. Because when I sing them live, they change all the time. <laughs> Matt, there's no room. There's so many words. Uh-huh. So, hey. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So we were going to get out real quick. Yeah, real quick. Uh, we, we've got an event coming that we talked about in the previous segment. And so that's uh, Nate yeah. Kipnis, uh, Kipnis Architecture and Planning event at the Tesla in Highland Park, which is right at uh, Central and... Route 41. That's July See, 11th. I, I have no idea. but, but I it's can ride my bike there. But it is July, July 11th. And I think I have the address uh, right here. Do, 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 do. You just get off at Deerfield 1200, Road West. 1200 Old Skokie Valley Road, Highland Park, 60035. And the event is from 530 to 730. Uh, if so, if you want to be part of the Next House Alliance and Tesla event. That's this Thursday, 530 to 730. Uh, now, Mr. DeMaio, uh, man, every week it's something else. If it isn't one thing, yeah. it's just crazy. And, and we won't even get it, into Earth. If it isn't one thing, it, it's two others, right? Right. Yeah. We won't even get into earthquakes because that's really not uh, your purview. Uh, but no, I, I, I teach, I teach earthquakes in my uh, natural disasters class. I, I spent oh. three weeks on it. I know, wow. I know all about Didn't it. Didn't know that. So, uh, one of the things yeah. that was predictable, what was kind of interesting because when the first quake hit, they were saying, yeah, get ready. There'll probably be a second one. And sure enough, there it was. Yeah. Well, you know, what was really odd is I was, I was watching, uh, there was a really cool special on the nineties on CNN that night. And all of a sudden they had breaking news. And they, they mentioned that the quake was a 6.9, but they had up on the screen for the longest time that the depth of the quake was 0.9 kilometers. And I'm thinking, 0.9 kilometers, that's like, that's like literally seven-tenths of a mile below the surface. And if there was an actual 7.1 earthquake that shallow, uh, you would have catastrophe on order of what they saw down in um, uh, Haiti, in Port-au-Prince, uh, back in, I think it was 2004, when you had a seven-magnitude earthquake, and that was six miles below the surface. And then they later revised it to 17 kilometers, which is about ah. 10 miles down. Ah. Yeah. Um, so they, they, they always talk about the magnitude of the quake, uh, but it's really the depth of the quake that, that's more important. Because it, it, that'll, that'll allow the, the primary waves and the S waves to literally 
get up to the surface to what we call the lithosphere, that's the crust of the Earth, um, almost at the same time. And when you have those type of quakes that are really shallow, you get a, almost a jolt. So literally everything goes up and down. When you have a quake that's, that's deep like this was, um, what happens is the P waves can't get to the surface, so they end up going kind of up to the surface in a small way, kind of like waves in an ocean. Mm-hmm. And then the S waves, which are the secondary waves, kind of emanates from the center out horizontally. And that's why when you kept seeing the video of people's homes or restaurants, you saw the, the lampshades kind of shaking back and forth because they were, they were actually feeling um, the S waves. Whenever you see video of really, really intense earthquakes, where the, the, the quake is much shallower, you get this up-and-down motion as opposed to the side-by-side. Side. So yeah. it was really amazing to actually have the video uh, of that particular uh, quake, which you're going to have, obviously, in a place like California when you have 39 million people. Mm-hmm. That's See, this is your purview, after all. So good. I'm glad I brought that up. But that, now yeah. That... Oh, yeah, I know all about earthquakes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah what, was, what was really funny was the woman who was uh, talking about the quake uh, Lucy Jones. I've seen her on so many um, Discovery videos and National Geographic videos. Mm-hmm. The man next to her was a geologist from the USGS where I think she was a seismologist. It's kind of two different things. And he said something really interesting. He goes, the more data that we have about earthquakes, the harder it is to understand them and to predict them. I thought that was kind mm-hmm. of interesting. Huh. It, used, it, used to be, it used to be fairly simple. And now you realize that there's more and more of these fault lines that basically become active due to other faults as well. So when people say, yeah, I moved from one side of California to the other because there haven't been any earthquakes here. And last I heard, there's no fault line. Next thing you know, there's an earthquake and now there's a fault line right underneath you. <laughs> so um, this, this is a wake-up call to what actually could be one of the greatest you know, natural disasters and catastrophes this country will ever see over the next 50 years. Hate to say it, but we all know it's going to happen. You know, and and a lot of people haven't thought about it for a while, unless you live in California, because and right, and they do, and 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 on top of that, uh, wildfires, which takes us to Alaska, where Anchorage. Uh, oh my God! It's is, ninety degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which has never happened before in recorded. It's probably happened before, just not in recorded history. Right. Yeah, I think the records go back to the eighteen fifties or sixties. And, you know, while we're talking about earthquakes in Alaska, someone said, kind of off the cuff, does climate change have anything to do with earthquakes? And and it really doesn't, but it's not a bad question, because when I was in Iceland a few years ago, uh, a couple of the the major mountain ranges that sit along one of the active fault lines, one of them is Mount Hecla, typically spews out a lot of volcanic ash and steam Mm -hmm. as you get towards the end of the summer. And I said, why does it do that? And they said, well, we've been melting the ice and the glaciers at such a rapid rate now that when the meltwater goes down into the fissures of the mountain and then the earthquake, or not the earthquake, but the fault line, it mixes up with the, with the magma and it actually produces more steam. So I said, you mean because we're melting ice at a faster rate, we're actually seeing more and more of these steam bursts more frequently earlier and later? He goes, yeah, that's exactly right. So while it's not, quote, an earthquake, um, it was definitely something to do with the fact that the earth was getting a little bit more angrier 
uh, a little bit sooner and a little bit quicker and a little bit more frequently. Mm-hmm. So what what is uh, causing this um, uh, heat wave in Alaska? And uh, how- Well, it, it's, it's the same thing. It's the buckling of the jet stream uh, due to the fact that we have this um, pattern that's been developing as we see the last four or five years. Um, high amplitude jet streams, uh, the same buckling of the jet stream that allowed the heat to build over Western Europe. Um, and allowed that air mass from northern Africa to kind of slide underneath. Um, and I was looking up at areas of Hudson Bay yesterday, and almost 90%, believe it or not, of Hudson Bay is still frozen over. Hmm. Most of James Bay has melted, uh, but yet the western part of the Arctic ice sheet um, is melting at a record rate. Um, so whether or not some of that warmth is going to come over us is yet to be seen. But I think is really interesting, after the cold front that came through yesterday and our winds turned all our way around to the north now for about, what, almost uh, 20 hours at gusts over 20 miles per hour, do you know that the buoy, uh, mid-late buoy, went from 71 yesterday and it's now down to 59? And what that tells me is that the buoy temperature, even though it was measuring 71, it was only measuring the top three feet of the lake. So once you get these strong winds, it mixes it up, and it shows yeah. you just how quickly a small body of water like Lake Michigan can change temperatures overnight, whereas opposed to the oceans, which have a much deeper heat content, yeah. usually cannot. All right. We need a quick forecast here. What's going on? And, and quick I, forecast. Uh, beautiful today, beautiful tomorrow, hot on Tuesday, hotter on Wednesday, one day at 90 over the next seven days, and the good news is no rain for the next three days. We wow. finally catch a break from that. How about that? And you have a couple of weeks off, so enjoy that. We'll see you in three weeks, whenever that is. All right, Rick? Unless there's any big earthquakes. Yeah, and then <laughs> oh, report dear. in. All right, thanks, man. Have a great Sunday. Yes, have a... Uh, I want to thank Melinda Myers, Tom Bassett-Dilly, Nate Kipnis. Until next time, go green or... Go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.